Welcome to another Tyrius Cast. I'm Jim McGregor. And I'm Kevin Crewell. And today we're going to discuss the excitement in the semiconductor industry on the heels of the Hot Chips Conference and on the eve of the AI Hardware Summit. Despite some of the challenges with lithography and transistor scaling, there's unprecedented levels of innovation in the semiconductor industry right now. In fact, some of the challenges with Moore's Law along with the applications like AI, autonomous vehicles, and 5G, are really driving in an unprecedented level of innovation in our industry right now. Now, my colleague Kevin Crewell here was at Hot Chips this week. So, Kevin, give us a rundown or a blow-by-blow on what happened at Hot Chips. Well, the Hot Chips conference is held every August, and, and this year it was a record crowd. Roughly about 1,200 people attended it at the Memorial Auditorium at Stanford University, and it was pretty much busting at the seams. The auditorium could handle the crowd, but there's one men's room and one's ladies' room, so there was often a line on the men's room during the break. So it was definitely a uh, challenge for the venue. But half the presentations at the conference were all about, in some way, related to machine learning. So the conference was never better attended and never had such dense content as this year. It was just a really outstanding conference. And there were two keynotes, one from AMD CEO, Dr. Lisa Su, and then from TSMC's VP of Research, Dr. Philip Wong. Both of those touched on Moore's Law issues, and Dr. Su was talking about how the applications need to go you know, beyond Moore's Law, whereas TSMC's Dr. Wong was committed to Moore's Law is not dead, at least for transistor density. Somehow forgot to mention the economic cost of these new technologies. So that was, I think, something missing from TSMC's presentation. But Dr. Sue, in her keynote, definitely contended that leading-edge silicon costs are rising, and then that's why AMD went down its chiplet strategy. Um, so TSMC presenter didn't disagree with that, but certainly, and, and certainly it's TSMC's multi-die packaging solutions that seem to reinforce Dr. Sue's assertion that, yeah, the future is going to be heterogeneous packaging. But as, as much as we were talking about chiplets and multi-packaging solutions, what wowed the crowd was the first reveal of the technology that Cerebrus has been working on. This is a company that is going to build and has showed a wafer scale size die. They literally have taken a wafer, cut off the rounded edges to make it a square wafer about eight and a half inches on a side. And then they're going to take that and plug it into a, a specialized socket, cool it, feed power into it, and use the entire die as a machine learning training engine. It's just an amazing feat of engineering. Yeah, let's let's highlight that. I mean, one thing that I know they didn't discuss at the presentation, but they did fill us in on afterwards, was 15 kilowatts. They're going to run 15 kilowatts through a single chip. 1.21 gigawatts! 1.21 gigawatts! 1.21 gigawatts! What the hell is a gigawatt? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, chip is actually an, an, an inadequate word to describe the, the, the wafer scale design. You, you want to call it basically 15 kilowatts out of a, a piece of silicon 8.5 by 8.5 in size. They claim they've got the technology. They've got specialized coolers that'll come down on the wafer. That'll 
localize the power and, and pull it off the, the wafer. They've got a specialized way of feeding power into the wafer. I mean, you've got to be talking about amps worth of power into this wafer. And because uh, it's, you know, roughly about a volt or so. So that's, you know, 15,000 15, amps. Really? Watts. Well, watts, but what would be divided by one volt. Volt times amps equals watts. So that's a yeah. lot of amps. That's a lot of amps. Yeah. So it's just an amazing piece of engineering. And, you know, we've only begun to reveal what the technology behind is. This is the first reveal. They actually, they actually revealed the, the, the technology ahead of Hot Chips, but the official presentation was at Hot Chips. Well, we expect to see more, certainly by maybe at the AI Hardware Summit, but certainly by supercomputing in Denver, they'll have more information revealed about the chip. Yeah, that, that was, it was the hottest hot chip ever as the, the, the session chair uh, introduced the session. And it certainly- All pun set, intended. All pun intended. So it certainly set the standard for what is now considered the biggest chip ever made. You know, but while Cerberus wowed the crowd with the biggest chip, on the other extreme, there was a group from NVIDIA Research that designed a really small chip put a whole, uh, you know, 36 of them on a uh, substrate. And then with, you know, peer-to-peer connections between the different chips and some scaling, you know, they've got a lot of performance out of that as well. And it's going for a very high-performance inference engine. And the thing, interesting thing about that is that, you know, it took years for Cerberus to build their chip, and they've been working on it for years. A group of less than 10 engineers or researchers at NVIDIA built this chip from, you know, from specification to tape out in just six months. But they did it by taking a very high-level abstraction, writing the, uh, the description of the chip in C++ through automated design tools and quickly iterated it until they could produce a uh, fast time to market solution. So you've, you've got complete contrasts at the conference between the very, very, very large and you know, relatively small and fast. Yeah, but... Let's be fair here, Kevin. The Cerebrus solutions targeting deep learning training. So that's more of like what uh, NVIDIA's hardcore, you know, V100s are doing, not an inference engine. I did see a picture, though, of this inference chip, this RC18 test chip that NVIDIA introduced. And I was kind of amazed because these are really small dies. So, I mean, other than some of its processor efforts around the uh, Tegra processor... I've never really seen NVIDIA do other chips, and this did not look like it was a GPU in any way. No, no, this is a dedicated machine learning uh, inference engine. So for people who think that NVIDIA is only building GPUs, this is maybe a wake-up call that if NVIDIA wants to and they feel the market is is, is there, they will build a dedicated inference solution. So for people who keep pushing NVIDIA into the GPU camp, this is fair warning that NVIDIA can produce a dedicated inference chip whenever it deems necessary. Yeah, that's a a very good point. Not to mention, they also highlight the fact that they did this in six months. So Mm -hmm. that might even open the door for custom chips for specific applications or specific customers. Absolutely. And the key was this concept of automated design and agile design where a small team can do a fast time to market solution. But, you know, this also was another multi-chip packaging solution. And between multi-chip packaging and chiplets, a number of the key presentations at the conference, you know, AMD, Intel, 
NVIDIA, TSMC, all highlighted this technology. Intel demonstrated a um, way to pack basically an entire PC on a chip based on layering. They have this technology they call Foveris, I'm sorry. And the upcoming Lakefield SOC will use a heterogeneous processor configuration, and then uh, they'll stack the processor die, the compute die, with a base die that has much of the I.O., and then on top of the compute die, they'll put the uh, in-package DRAM, so basically a memory on chip. But it's a three-level stacking of base die, compute die, and memory all in one package to get a very, very small footprint. What Intel hopes to do with this technology is be able to bring it to some new form factors, some smaller form factors. Peak power might be may, may be up to 7 watts, but more likely you'll see it in 5 watts or below when you're uh, trying to fit into a very small form factor. And, and you know, Intel is definitely, I think, feeling the pressure from Qualcomm with their Snapdragon parts. And I think they're focused on very low power, power management, much like you'd see in a smartphone chip with a PMIC to keep the power, the standby power down to the minimum and to fit it into very small form factor, passively cooled designs. You know, that is interesting because I had a meeting with Jim Thompson, the CTO of Qualcomm this past week. And, you know, that's one of the things he brought up, said, you know, some of these technologies are just coming to market that, you know, they may have to consider for the future when they make economic sense. And that die stacking has been a key one that Intel's been working on for a decade, at least now. And the rest of the industry is looking at it too, but it's it's still kind of costly. So once they actually get that down, that's going to be another key factor in really the innovation of semiconductors. Yeah. Uh, Intel, I think, has focused this on a relatively mainstream product. So it's going to have to be very cost-effective in, ter- in, in order for this to go into volume. So this is something to keep a lookout for. Once they've uh, released it in a product later this year or early next year, and see what the price point is, and then see how the performance comes in. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like. Now, we, as I mentioned earlier, this machine learning was all over this conference. In addition to the to Lakefield, Intel had two machine learning chips, one a training chip and one an inference chip. Training tra- chip is Springcrest, and that's based on the Nirvana technology, but now scaled down to 16 nanometer TSMC. One thing that was really interesting is the fact that this this training chip is still in TSMC. This is the original Nevada chips were in TSMC, 28 nanometer process. So Intel has not brought the Nevada chip architecture in-house yet. They're still using TSMC. It could be because of quicker time to market because the, the original design was in TSMC. But it could also be you know the limitations that Intel's running into in terms of the amount of fab capacity, and they want to use TSMC as a supplement to internal fab capacity. And this chip's pretty good sized, it's 680 millimeter squared, 27 billion transistors, and it's built on a 1200 millimeter square interposer with 32 gigabytes of high, high bandwidth memory. So it's very interesting to see that, that Intel continued to use TSMC for the Nevada training chips. But on the inference side, their, their Spring Hill inference chip uh, is very small, supposed to fit into a very small form factor, the M.2 form factor, and it's targeting best-in-class performance per power for data centers. But that is going to be built in Intel's 10 nanometer process. So 
Intel is definitely spreading out its chips into multiple foundries, not just its own. And so there's an interesting uh, angle there at Intel, uh, which goes into TSMC and which goes into the internal process. But Intel must be feeling confident enough in their 10 nanometer process. More and more of their chips, including Lakefield, are coming in with the 10 nanometer process. So uh, maybe Intel has finally gotten over the hump on their yields issues there. Yeah, and they're also bringing up a brand new Fab, Fab 42 and Chandler uh, throughout the end of this year and into next year. So that may also change your Fab strategy. That's a mega Fab. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, they need to get the yields though down on 10. And I believe they're starting to roll out chips in it. But actually, interesting, in their latest 10th, not, not, not related to hot chips, but in their 10th generation core processors, they're actually bifurcated their roadmaps. There's two different chips, one in 14 nanometer and one in 10 nanometer. So Intel is sort of hedging their bets there a bit. Uh, one of the interesting things, though, that was, I thought was important at the conference is the push for benchmarking. MLPerf is a uh, key benchmark that a number of the vendors, including ARM, Intel, Facebook, Google, NVIDIA, Xilinx, are all backing and are all involved in. And it, it's becoming the focus of attention of how to benchmark. Right now, a lot of people use ResNets and other benchmarks, but trying to formalize this through MLPerf. Right now, MLPerf only has benchmarks for training, but we do expect that they will, they're working on the machine learning inference as well, just not complete yet. And I think that's going to be an important benchmark in looking forward. Basically, it's kind of the, the spec benchmark for machine learning. In addition, MLPerf doesn't have a benchmark for sparse data applications. Sparse is going to be real important, and, and Facebook talked about it. Their, their Zion platform for machine learning training is designed to handle their issues with sparse. And what Facebook is doing is building a platform based on OCP that you know, a number of vendors, Intel has been very closely working with Facebook on this, and so has Habana. And both Intel and Habana have embraced this BFLOAT16 format, which is a truncated 32-bit floating point format that neither AMD nor NVIDIA have today. So this may give Habana and Intel a little bit of a, a legs up for some of the Facebook applications. In addition to all the machine learning, we had Xilinx was there talking about the latest Inversal, their ACAP chip, which is a really unique architecture that they're trying to bring to market later this year. And it's an interesting crossover between machine learning and traditional compute and FPGAs. It does require take some time for the market to understand how to use it. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, Habana was there. They were showing their, they showed their, their inference card, which they introduced last year. And now they have the uh, Gaudi training board for evaluation. And like I said, the Gaudi training board has the BFLOAT 16 support and is in the open compute project open accelerator module, which is uh, going to help them out at, at Facebook. Now, despite all this machine learning stuff, there was still some traditional guys. AMD talked about Zen 2 in the Batiste processor, their Navi GPU, ARM's N1 server core. IBM talked about Power 9, the latest version, which is called the Advanced I.O. chip. And then, as I mentioned, the Lakefield earlier. And then uh, NVIDIA talked about Turing GPU with their ray tracing. So it was, it was a busy, busy conference. You know, and the disaggregation issue, uh, we talked about multi-chip uh, solutions. One of the things that in the IBM Power 9 advanced I.O. chip did was they pulled off the memory controllers using an open memory interface, which they've 
applied to JEDEC. It's actually now JEDEC standard. And this pulls the memory controller off and also makes the processor memory agnostic. I can see this working its way into other solutions over time. This is a really good way to kind of separate memory from the processor with a minimal amount of overhead. Okay, Kevin, it's amazing. They packed hot chips so much that they almost could have made it an extra day. Um, we've even been talking to some com companies that are actually holding out for the AI Hardware Summit. So it's really amazing the level of innovation that's going on and all the excitement around new chips, new technologies, and obviously packaging technology is taking a front is taking a driver's seat in our industry right now. Yeah, well, Hot Chips is only a great venue. It is bursting at the scenes. In fact, they said there were many other presentations that normally would have been included on a typical Hot Chip show. Um, I didn't even mention it. There were two discussions on optical communications. Tesla was there talking about the, the ADAS custom chip they built. You had uh, Microsoft there talking about their HoloLens 2 chip. The amount of tech, technology at this conference was just outstanding. And then, you know, in, Intel was very visible there. In addition to the the presentations I talked about earlier, they actually held a special event uh, with uh, Raja Kaduri and Jim Keller, the hot wings with hot questions, and it was a lot of fun. So it wasn't, you know, not everything is super techy and waiting. People actually can have a little bit of fun at Hot Chips as well. But it's definitely a great opportunity to meet the leading edge minds in the, the chip industry at this conference. Well, I think with that, we'll bring this one to a wrap and we'll save the AI hardware summit for another one because there's going to be a lot more coming out over the next couple of weeks and during that conference. So there's just hold out. There's a lot of excitement going on in semiconductors and especially around AI right now. So please remember that Tirius Research is a market research and advisory firm that provides custom research and advice to the entire high-tech ecosystem from sensors to the cloud. This includes custom market sizing, product and company competitive analysis, M&A evaluations, product and corporate strategic planning, and even marketing strategies. If you would like more information about Tirius Research or inquire about our services, please contact us directly. I'm Kevin at TiriusResearch.com. And then Jim is Jim at TiriusResearch.com. That's T-I-R-I-A-S Research. You can also visit our website at www.TiriusResearch.com. Please keep up to us on social media. Our Twitter handle is at TiriusResearch. I'm at Crewell for me. And then Jim is at TechStrategist, T-E-K-S-T-R-A-T-E-G-I-S-T. And then uh, look for us on articles in Forbes, E-Times, or the ECT News Channel. We also have white papers we post on our websites on a regular basis, so take a look out for those. Thank you for joining us. If you have any feedback on this Tyrius cast or recommendations for future Tyrius casts, please contact us directly at kevin at or jim at Thank you and have a great day. 